You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you uh, join us here in person online. And I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, 2,000 years ago, in the small town of Bethany, which was just east of Jerusalem, the south slopes of the Mount of Olives, a man by the name of Simon, uh, who had miraculously been healed of leprosy, a disease that carried an even greater stigma than even COVID does. Uh, He was healed. He's now preparing his home for a special dinner guest. One of the best-known sibling trios in all of Scripture, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, were throwing this dinner party at Simon's home for their good friend who was in town, Jesus. Uh, in fact, uh, before this, it wasn't too long before this that Mary and Martha were mourning the passing of their, their, their brother, Lazarus, uh, who, after being dead for four days, uh, is in the grave. Jesus shows up and literally calls him out of the grave. Now, that same Lazarus is literally reclined next to Jesus at the dinner table with Jesus' disciples gathered around as they're breaking bread, talking, sharing, I'm sure, some of the incredible stories that Jesus had of the adventures that he had led his disciples on in the previous three years. And, and as they're doing this, uh, Martha, the, the, the one sister, is, is gathering food and serving them. She's so good at doing. And Mary, the other sister, Lazarus's other sister, goes to the shelf and grabs this incredibly prized possession of hers that uh, she's brought with her. It was a jar made of of marble, and inside of that jar was contained this really precious, expensive perfume. It had a a, a seal on top. It was sealed with wax to preserve the, the fragrance. And this jar held about half a liter of perfume that was worth up to a year's Wages. I mean, this was really expensive. This wasn't cheapo stuff that uh, she picked up on the clearance at rack at, at Walmart. Like, this was really pricey. Now, I don't know if you have any prized possessions in your house. Uh, but generally speaking, when you have a prized possession, something that's worth a lot, you put it in a place that's safe, where it's protected. And you only take it out, if ever, to show someone special or on a really, really special occasion. This is because it's something you're proud of or something you've worked really hard for or even maybe something that represents the achievements of your family that have been passed down from generation to generation. These are items like prized china or a priceless piece of jewelry or possibly an heirloom that's been in your family a long time. And you guard these things with your life because they represent the achievement of your life. Maybe there are things that are coming to your mind right now that are so precious to you because of what they represent. And what Mary does next uh, with this prized perfume was really, really unthinkable. Uh, with the guests gathered around the dinner table talking, eating, and enjoying each other's company, here's what she does. It's recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 3. It says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, uh, an expensive perfume, She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with a fragrant perfume. Now, to kind of get the picture here, uh, she takes this jar of perfume, this really expensive jar of perfume, she breaks the wax seal. Now, understand, once you break the wax seal, it's forever broken. Like, it's not reversible, it's done. And she gets down and she pours it on Jesus' feet. 
This was crazy unthinkable. Now, now if, if you uh, were sitting at the table that day and you closed your eyes, there was no doubt that the fragrance you would have smelled was incredibly magnificent. Uh, it would have been amazing, the, the scent. And now understand, uh, at this time period in the first century, common bathing and hygiene practices that we're familiar with today weren't as common in that day, especially with the working class of people that were gathered for this dinner party. The, the stenches and body odor uh, that probably would have been present would be repulsive to us today. They were commonplace for them. Uh, and it would make uh, fragrance like this even more impacting because it actually would smell good. And if you had closed your eyes, you were taking in the aroma of that moment, and then you opened them, you wouldn't believe your eyes, what you're watching. This expensive, priceless perfume that brought such a wonderful aroma to the room was being poured out seemingly wasted on someone's nasty feet. I understand it was Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, but it was still his feet. Like, like, why not just use water? Wouldn't that work? Or, or why not maybe mix a little bit of perfume with a big bowl of water? And, and really, why, why waste a year's worth of wages on someone's feet of all things? They're stinky, nasty feet. And really, it's a logical question. It seems so incredibly irresponsible, so reckless, so extravagant for such a seemingly insignificant thing like someone's feet. In fact, one of Christ's disciples, Judas, brings up the same question. It's an, it's, it makes sense. To, it's a logical question. Here's what he says in, in John chapter 12, verse 5. Judas asked this question. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's a year. It was a, a worth a year's wages. Like, he's asking a good question. You just wasted that perfume. Never going to get it back again. You dumped the entire jar like, why couldn't you just dump a little bit? You just wasted the impact. Now, understand, if you read this, this story in, in the Gospels, Judas wasn't really concerned about the poor here. Uh, Judas was like the accountant, the bookkeeper, the, 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 the one who kept the money, and he wasn't exactly the most honest of people. He wanted the money for himself. He was kind of picking a little bit of the money off the top there, and uh, he saw potential, and he saw it wasted. And in and, and, and this story, the question he asks is logical. Maybe his heart was wrong. Uh, but, but it was a great question. Why was Jesus letting her waste this incredibly valuable resource that, that could actually do some good in the world outside that little house that day in Bethany? Why, why, why waste it? Why, why just pour it on feet? And in Matthew's account of this story, in Matthew 26, he records Jesus' response. Here's what Jesus said. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Now, that's a pretty crazy statement to make. Uh, it, it makes me kind of step back and ask myself the question, like, what am I missing? Like, if, if someone wasted things like that and I just said, oh, they're just preparing me for burial, you would, like, have me uh, admitted to a, an institution or, or like sit down with me and ask me, what's going on? Are you okay? What, what's happening? This is a pretty outrageous statement for, for Jesus to make. And, and all if you've ever read something in the Bible and asked that question, like you're reading through maybe something, a, a verse or something someone told you about, a reading plan, and you're like, that's really weird. 
What does that mean? What, what am I missing? Sounds really stupid. What am I missing? And can I tell you, that's a really awesome question to ask. Good things come on the other side of that kind of a question. Because it causes you to think through, what, what are you reading? What am I, what am I, what am I processing here? And, and usually when something like this doesn't make sense, usually it's because of a lack of context. Uh, like, like, if there's a word that you hear and you don't know what it means, one of the best ways to learn what it means is to hear it used in a sentence, right? You've probably had that happen in grade school growing up. Uh, maybe at work or there's a new term. And, and if you hear it used in a sentence, you understand what it means a little bit better because you hear it in its context. This story can be bit, a bit of a head scratcher if you don't understand the context of what was transpiring here, what was taking place. Jesus had just come off of a really busy three years of ministry with his 12 disciples. Now, what we have contained in a good portion of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the first four books in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible there, uh, a good portion of that is really stories of those three years. What happened in Jesus' ministry and the miracles he did and the supernatural things he did. And, and now uh, they've come off of this, this season and uh, more than that, the burial that Jesus references is something that only Jesus knows is about to happen. The, the very day after this dinner party would begin what we know today as Passion Week, the week leading up to Christ's crucifixion to the cross. Uh, th- this act of extravagance by Mary would mark the beginning of a week of celebration followed by incredible mourning, only to be capped with one of the greatest comebacks in history as Jesus would walk out of that lifeless grave, conquering sin and death. I mean, this sparked it all. That day, that dinner party in Simon the leper's house, the man who's literally known for the disease he had that Jesus healed, this sparked it all. What Mary does seems like such a waste, but in the context of what was taking place, it wasn't a waste at all, but it was the beginning of something so much greater than that one moment. When, when you see the story in its context, it's like, oh my goodness, it makes sense. Jesus would have the triumphal entry as he marches into Jerusalem the next day, and throughout that week, so many things would take place that would change the course of history. She took a risky step that really began a week that would change the world forever. Her unreasonable offering of perfume was actually an act of dedication for a soon to be crucified and later risen Jesus. Now, when we read stories like this, one of the struggles is how we view and value the things that we have. Just, just think about it in our world today. What carries the most value in our world or maybe in your life? Usually it's the things that cost the most, the things that impress the most, or the things that bring us the most pleasure. Those are the things oftentimes that are most valuable to us. You have a really, you know, expensive fill-in-the-blank. It usually falls into those categories. The most impressive, priceless things in our world generally are going to cost the most. They're going to impress others the most. They're going to bring us the most pleasure. Those are oftentimes the most important things in our lives. But Jesus' view of value and worth has always been drastically different and even opposed to that idea. In fact, Jesus would make this pretty profound statement earlier in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 6. Here's what he said in verse 31. He said, So do not worry 
saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Uh, Another way of phrasing this in today's modern context might be, you know, uh, don't worry about whether or not Taco Bell's open, whether or not you can get into, you know, your favorite, favorite restaurant. Don't worry about, you know, whether they're serving Dr. Pepper. Uh, don't worry if H&M is actually open or if I have to go to whatever. Um, here's what he says. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. In other words, here's what he's trying to say. We can spend a lot of time and energy striving for and pursuing all that we can get in this life. Pursuing all the stuff we can gather and get. You might call that the pursuit of happiness. That we pursue everything that we can get, we can capture, that we can get hold of. But Jesus says those who follow him take an entirely different view. Here's what he said in the very next verse, verse 33 of Matthew 6. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What in the world? He says seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all the other things will come. It's kind of an upside-down, backwards view of things. And, and in the few moments we have together today, here's a simple idea I want to share with you. That those who give will always have more than those who get. Those who are willing to give, to be generous, We'll always have more than those who get. In fact, this is what uh, the author of Proverbs uh, writes in Proverbs eleven twenty four. 24. It says this, one who gives freely yet gains, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Can you say more? More. One person gives freely yet gains even more. It sounds backwards, I understand. Another person withholds unduly but comes to poverty. In other words, the one who gives gains more. The one who gathers loses it. Sounds backwards, I know. But this is exactly what was unfolding right before our eyes in this story. And and, and you see this contrast between Mary, as she's pouring out this expensive perfume, and Judas, one of Christ's disciples. You you see, there's this opposing idea that plays out here. Mary is generous. Judas is greedy. I know he's kind of, kind of trying to mask his greed with a, 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 a hint of, of generosity, but he's not. He's greedy. Mo, Mary is generous. Judas is greedy. Mary is humble. Judas is arrogant. Mary is selfless. Judas here is self-centered. Mary's focused on what's best for Jesus. Judas is focused on what's best for him. And I would argue that oftentimes in our lives, the rub that we face with the question of what to do with what we have can come down to some of the same issues, even 2,000 years later. The human race hasn't really changed that drastically from that moment. And looking at this story, for most of us, I know myself included, we'd side with Judas on this. Not, not knowing the outcome, what Judas would be known for, but, but in this moment, we would probably side with Judas because Judas is asking a really logical question. Mary's act of pouring out this perfume really was straight up careless. What a a really crazy act. But Jesus' perspective was entirely different. It was an act of sacrifice, an act of holy worship. It was a step of dedication. Now, next month here at Calvary, we're going to be dedicating children to the Lord. And we do this throughout the year. 
And this is more than just some religious practice that we do. It is doing what Mary did, setting children apart for a higher purpose. We believe the next generation has a divine, God-ordained purpose that we want to pray over and commit to helping them pursue. In the same way, Mary here was setting apart this valuable perfume for a higher purpose, a divine, God-ordained purpose. In our lives, there are things that have value based on what they can do for us. Money, position, material possessions, influence. They are valuable to us because of what they can do for us. We gain, we, we move our lives forward, our careers forward, our family forward, whatever it may be, through those means, whatever it might be. But in Jesus' view of the world, the things that have the most value are the things that bring others the most value. It's totally backwards. It's totally upside down. Our, our human nature says, if it brings value to me, if it makes my life better, if it helps me advance my life, it's valuable to me. Jesus says, no, opposite. If it brings value to others, if it helps others advance, if it helps make the world a better place, it has value. Even if it, even if it doesn't value you. It's an upside down world. Jesus is talking about seek first his kingdom, not my kingdom, not what I want. And this is the way of Jesus, not scrapping, crawling, and fighting for more, but walking through this world with open hands, passing on the blessings that God first passed on to us. Now, my my question is, what does that that ultimately look like for you? How, How does that process in your life how would your life change if you saw the value of what you have, not simply in its benefits to you, but how you can add value to the world around you through it? Like your influence, your position, your title, your status, your resources, all, all that you have. What if you, what you have, didn't have you? What, what if you were willing to dedicate it Dedicate to God and use it for a higher purpose. What if we could change the narrative? What if we could prove people wrong? That Christians aren't stingy. Christians aren't self-centered people only concerned about their thing. But, but that we could be generous, others-focused, people ready to give whatever God has brought into our lives to others to be a blessing. What, what if we change the story, the narrative? Now, I don't know about you, But I want to be known for what I give of my life, not what I get, not what I can achieve, not what I can gain. Outside of the accomplishments, uh, outside all the accomplishments and accolades this world can offer, I want to be defined by the generosity of my heart, not the ability to gain whatever I want. And as a church, if we've learned anything over this last year, it's this. We aren't defined by what we have, our buildings, our property, our cool equipment, our impressive production. No, the value of what we have, our resources, our relationships, our influence, is found in our ability to give it all away. That's the value of what we have as a church. It's the value of what we have as followers of Jesus. Not to gather it, not to hoard it, to give it all away. To say, God, this is first and foremost all yours, I pour it out as an offering, as an act of worship back to you. What a statement to the world that, that those crazy followers of Jesus aren't hung up on how much they can gather. 
the status they can attain or the attention they can garner, but that our greatest passion is to give all we can to point people back to the one that ultimately gave it all. His name is Jesus. At the end of the story, as the worship team comes, end of the story, Jesus makes this statement to those gathered at this dinner party that I, I honestly, as I read this story before and even preparing for today, I didn't quite understand. But, but, but it starts, it's starting to make sense. Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 13. He says, truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she, speaking of Mary, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And when I read, read this, I thought, what? That's, like, that's crazy. Why? What, what does this have to do with the gospel? <laughs> what, what does this story have to do with what Jesus would do? And, and as I processed this, it came to me, no, no, this is the gospel story. This is one of the greatest examples of the gospel story. This Jesus, the Son of God, came down from heaven, shedding his splendor, his position, his glory that he was deserving of. And he took the position of a servant, giving away his very life. God in the flesh didn't come to this earth to get or to gain, but ultimately to give so that we could gain. This is what Mary did. This is what Jesus would do. What Mary did ultimately was a foreshadowing of the very thing Jesus was going to do that following week. He would pour out his life on the cross, spilling his very lifeblood for our good, for our future, for our world. Why in the world would he do this? To show us this, that one person gives freely, yet gains even more Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. When we strive to give, in the end, we gain. When we strive to gain, whatever we're trying to gain, we're going to lose. Because those who give will always have more than those who get. And, and today, we have a number of uh, kind of applications what does this mean for us? I think there's a couple things that we see in the example of Jesus, the, the, the model that God has given us. You know, he is one of the greatest examples of, of generosity. John chapter 3, verse 16, one of the most famous verses in Scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave. So what do we give? First thing we give is our lives. Paul writes in Romans 12 that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. It's our spiritual act of worship. We give of our lives. It's what Jesus did. He gave of his life. The second thing we give, we give of what we have. We give our very lives, but we give of what we have. Maybe for you, that's taking time to mentor someone new in your company or to sit down with someone who's new in the faith and show them what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe for you, that's some gathered yesterday for our Serve Saturday. That's just taking time that you have and serving others, making a difference. Maybe, maybe for you, that's influence. It's helping connect some people together that can make a difference in our world. Maybe it's resources. We're going to have an opportunity here in a few moments to, to fill out our Calvary Cares commitments. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Whatever it might be, God wants us to give of our very lives and also give of what we have, whatever that might be. 
And maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online. And the idea of giving your very life sounds kind of crazy. Like, you're going to get shipped on a boat to Africa and spend the rest of your life as a missionary. That's not what we're talking about, necessarily. Not rolling it out. But it's not really what we're talking about. What we're talking about is living your life with a new context. Remember we talked about context? Context brings definition to things. This story kind of makes a crazy sense if you don't know the context, but when you know the context, it makes a little bit more sense. Giving your life to Jesus, committing your life to Jesus, pouring out your life to Jesus is a matter of context. It brings new definition to everything you do. Things that are difficult, things that are easy, it brings new definition to why you do them. You're not doing them just to survive to the weekend. You're doing them for a higher purpose. You dedicate your life to him. That's what that means. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching the line and you've never taken the step. I'm not talking about becoming a religious person or a church-going person or, or a Bible thumper or whatever word you want to put in there. I'm talking about being a follower of Jesus. And being a follower of Jesus is kind of a radical thing. It's kind of a countercultural thing. It's about saying, my life isn't determined by what others say. My life isn't determined about how many likes or shares or any of that stuff. My life is determined by the one who created me. That God shaped me and formed me in my mother's womb. And he brings my value. And I want to live my life according to what he wants. And the first step in that journey is to recognize we need a savior. We've screwed up. We don't always get it right. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they didn't always get it right. There came a point where they recognized what the Bible calls their sin. They recognize how far they were from God, that we make mistakes, that we screw up so many times. And Jesus died on the cross, not just to start a religion. He died on the cross to ultimately be the sacrifice for our sin, for our mistakes, to take the punishment, the consequence of what we have done on his shoulders and to give us life, life to the full. In a minute, we're gonna pray. And if you're here and you say, man, I need to commit my life to Jesus. I want to dedicate. I want to add new definition. I'm not talking about you're following Jesus and you just want to take it to a new level. I'm saying you've never made that decision or maybe not in a long time to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to put Jesus first. Seek first his kingdom. I want to accept his forgiveness of my past. Live for his purpose. If that's you in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Say, you know what? I want to take that step. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you're doing. I know, Holy Spirit, that you don't have me here today sharing this by accident. But God, you have people here in this place today. You have people watching online today specifically for this reason. Holy Spirit, I know you're working on their hearts. You're speaking to them. Not, not anything I can say, but what you can do. I pray, Lord, God, that today, that day you circled on their life calendar, will be a day that forever changes their future and destiny. I thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy. God, I thank you for your purpose and your forgiveness. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here, you're watching online, you say, Nick, I need to take that step. I need to commit my life to Jesus. I need to dedicate. I'm not asking you to get down on one knee and pour out some perfume. But that was a physical act that Mary did. For you today, what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to count to three. With everyone continuing to pray, I'm just going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. Maybe you're at home. You're like, that sounds really funky. I'm sitting in my living room by myself. Why would I reach my hand toward heaven? No one's going to see me. That, that's okay. There's a physical act between you and God. Say, God, I'm physically going to do this. If you're at home, you could stand up. You could kneel. Whatever works for you. Physical act. Say, I want to follow Jesus. That's what Mary did. She physically did something. 
And if that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. And then we're going to pray together. One, two, three. Just reach your hand toward heaven this morning. You put your hands down. I'm going to ask everyone just to pray this prayer together with me. Those online, those here in person. And what I want to lead you in is a prayer. And just to be clear, prayer isn't anything magic or crazy. It's just a conversation with God. And I want to lead you in a conversation that we can all have with God. My hope is that this would be the first of many conversations you have with God. Would you guys all pray this prayer with me together and repeat after me? Dear God, thank you for loving me just as I am. With all my brokenness, with all my pain, with all of my mistakes, thank you for not giving up on me. Today, I dedicate my life to you. I commit to live for your purposes. I accept the forgiveness of my past. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you're like, man, I'm beginning this new journey, let someone know. If you want to send us a message on Facebook or email us at info at calvaryerwin.com or tell someone around you, let someone know. That's an important decision. And we want to help you continue that journey. For, for all of us today, for those that came in, here, in person here and those online, one of the greatest things we get to do as a church, and I'm telling you, one of the greatest things I get to do as a pastor is to give things away. Why? Because I believe that we are most like Jesus when we give. Because one of the greatest things Jesus did was give. And today we're going to be making our Calvary Cares commitments. You might say, oh, here comes the sales pitch. Here comes the big spiel. I want to be upfront and honest and transparent with you. Not a single dollar that is given to our Calvary Cares campaign is going to our church. It's not how this works. We give it all away. You can ask Pastor Delena. We give it all away. Why do we do this? Because this is what Jesus told us to do. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. This is what we're called to do. And, and some of you have gotten this, uh, a letter with this in the mail uh, ahead of time. Maybe this is, some of you, this is the first time you've seen this. We have an opportunity this year to make a difference in so many different ways. Help build houses for families in the Dominican Republic that are in need. To help spruce up our local parks here and make it a safe, enjoyable environment for people in our own community to enjoy their family, to enjoy their kids. Such difficult times. We have a chance to get behind the harsh barkers in Northern Ireland as they're just reaching kids, serving kids, loving kids through a medium of YouTube. How cool was that? We get to come alongside a church in central Pennsylvania that none of us have ever necessarily met. And to say, you know what? You have brothers and sisters in Christ back there in Irwin that are cheering you on, that are behind you, that are there to support you, that you can make a difference, that you can reach your community for Christ. We're cheering for you. We're praying for you. We're behind you. You're not in this alone. We have an opportunity to make a difference, not in our lives. This isn't going to benefit us. This isn't about us. It's about others, and that's what Jesus asks us to do because ultimately those who give will always have more than those who get. And in a minute, we're going to show a video. The video is just kind of a highlight of, of our projects this year. And, and as that video is going, I want you to fill out this form, uh, our Calvary Cares Commitment form. 
and say, this is what I want to commit. This is what my family's going to commit. For those watching online, if you just go to calvaryirwin.com, right on the homepage, there's a, a digital version of that form. You can click the, the form and fill it out there. But as we, as we watch this video, I want you to fill this out. You'll, you'll keep the, uh, the yellow copy for yourself and the white one at the end of the service. We'll have a basket on your way out. You can drop that in. Once again, this isn't about us. This is about what we get to do together, collectively. We get to make a difference in our world together. This is one of the greatest things we get to do as a church. And I believe one of the ways we are most like Jesus. So we're going to watch this video in a moment, and then we're going to pray over these forms because every dollar, every form isn't about numbers. It's about lives. Every dollar represents a life, a family that's going to get a a home in the Dominican Republic, a, a child that's going to be reached through the harsh bargains in Northern Ireland, a, a family that can enjoy a beautiful park here in our community or, or a church that can make a difference in, a, in, a wor- in our world. So uh, we're going to watch this video. Uh, as we do that, fill this out, and then we're going to pray over them and wrap things up today. Hi, I'm Delana. I'm the Calvary Cares pastor here, and I am very excited about this year's 2021 Calvary Cares Projects. We have five projects and we've committed a total of $60,000 to them combined. So I would ask that you prayerfully consider what you would like to donate this year. Here's a recap of all of our projects. Today we are here at Penglin Park. It is one of two fabulous parks in Irwin. Our other park, Irwin Park, is located uh, just a short uh, ways from here. This park here is really special to me. We have pavilions, we have a lot of amenities here just in this local community park and there are other things we would like to do in this park we have made improvements to the park over time some of those being as simple as benches flower planters garbage cans just small things that help spruce up the appeal of the park and make people feel welcome and comfort when they come to the parks so we are excited to keep continuing the journey of improving the parks and making it better for everybody in the community when we arrived the first assembly the the numbers had uh, kind of dwindled down and uh, they're they had dreams of their former years being better than their latter years. And so God's given us a fresh dream and a vision for the church. And we want to move the church forward into the future, reaching into the community, reaching lost people, and seeing people come to Jesus in that community, and raising up missionaries, raising up leaders, and making a difference in that community and around the world. Uh, we have been... Uh, sponsoring and building homes in the Dominican Republic uh, through a um, church partnership that we have. Um, And we've been um, teaching construction skills um, and evangelizing the neighborhoods um, as we're building homes. Um, And every time we meet the people down there, uh, our heart just breaks that uh, we can't help them more. Um, So um, continue prayers for more homes for life-changing um, the people there they would it, it is it's a difference between life and death and I would just add that um, of all the homes that we've built uh, we have only built one home for a member of the pastor's church um, and she was truly somebody who at home and she is such a blessing every time we go Uh, She comes and she thanks us again and again and again and again. Um, But they too have a kingdom mindset. They are not focused on their own congregation, their own people. Uh, They are focused on the people that God has put in front of them. 
Yeah, and alongside church planting over this last year uh, with COVID and lockdown, we've started a new ministry for kids on YouTube called Party Create, which is specifically for kids and communities here in Northern Ireland. Um, and your giving to our project will give us vital equipment so that we can do school assemblies and workshops in our local elementary schools and middle schools. Um, things like PA system and speakers and microphones and lighting and projectors, all that sort of stuff um, will give us an opportunity to build a bridge into our community through our local schools. This morning, for those gathered here in person, I want you to take the form that you have there and uh, you can peel the, the paper off there and I want you to hold this in your hands. For those watching online, you can just join me. What we're gonna do, I want you to hold this in your hand. We're gonna pray. Uh, my prayer is that God would do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ask or imagine. It's not my prayer, that's in scripture. That God would take what we give, multiply it, and impact lives that we have never met and may never meet, that God would do far more with our little than we could ever imagine. Because those who give will always have more than those who get. Let's, let's pray this morning. Well, I thank you. Thank you for what you've given to us and entrusted us with, the resources you've given to us. God, I pray for everything that is given this year in our Calvary Cares campaign. God, that you would use it to do far more good than we could ever imagine. God, that you would multiply it. God, that you continue, Lord, to make a difference outside these walls. God, that our end goal isn't to benefit ourselves, but to benefit what you are doing in this world. God, I pray that you would stretch us, stretch us in what we give, stretch us in, Lord, uh, the, the steps of faith that we take. God, let us make our mark on this world, a mark that embodies the love and grace of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for how you're moving and what you're going to do. I'm excited to hear how you're going to accomplish incredible things, God, through these projects this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 